This time on Chew Diligence, Anthony Porofsky. I've just, I've always been deeply obsessed with food. The food and wine expert on the wildly popular show Queer Eye talks about the Fab Five. They're my confidants. What it's like to be together in public. When I show up with somebody who's more recognizable, like Tan's hair. I'm referring to Tan's hair as its own person because it really is. It's amazing. How he landed on the show. He's like, he calls me Annie. He's like, Annie, you don't want to do this, do you? And filming Queer Eye in Kansas City. People are going to fall in love with the city and the people that we're helping. From the food, the local drink he now orders by the case, and the lifelong friend he made here. She's become one of the closest people in like my little circle of friends. Um, she's such an incredible woman. On this episode of Chew Diligence, we are so excited to have Antony Porofsky with us. Can I just say that's a really great title <laughs> for a podcast? Thank you. Very good. We put it in a pun generator. We can't take too much credit. <laughs> Thank goodness for the internet. Uh, food and wine expert from Queer Eye. Uh, I, we know you have an incredibly busy schedule, especially filming in KC. Thanks for stopping by. Of course. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. It's always nice to do something a little different. As much as I love being on set, sometimes, you know, it's nice to not put on makeup and just <laughs> put on a cap and grab a cold brew and, and, and sit with a bunch of women and talk about food. Jill and I noticed when you walked in, you have a roastery with you. Tell us about your favorite coffee now. So I am obsessed with roastery. Um, (laughs) I order several cases. The first time that I called the head office and asked them to ship it, and they were like, okay, so what's the name of your business? I was like, no, no, it's just for me. And then I renewed it, and they asked me again. They were like, are you selling these? I was like, no, these are sadly just for me. Um, I'm particularly obsessed. So the white can is the standard cold brew. It's the pure black. And I order the large cans of those. And then someone got me into nitro, which is nitrogen infused. Oh, yes. Did you know that a can of nitro is the equivalent of 3.5 cups of coffee? Yes, because I felt the after effects before. And when you have three of those, that's over 10 cups of coffee. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) So I stopped ordering the nitro because I was very twitchy, and now they have these cute, adorable little cans that look like they would sell them in Europe, the way that Europeans drink their soda. So I try to, like, limit it to these, and I have a bottle of water with every coffee that I have. To even it out. To even it out, yeah. I'm not sure if that's a thing, um, <laughs> if it really, like, lowers the caffeine intake, but uh, it's what I tell myself. Keeps you hydrated, mm-hmm. if nothing else. There you go. You know, Jill and I usually start off with the first, the food. Uh, I'm a little interested from you being an out-of-towner to Kansas City for a while, where you have found in town that you love? Oh, gosh. In terms of restaurants or just food in general? Yeah, restaurants sit down to eat. We talked to Bobby. Uh, I got a chance to interview him about a month ago. He said he loved Novel. Novel is fantastic. So uh, our OG, like the show creator, David Collins, um, invited me to dinner there as soon as we landed um, earlier. It was like earlier this summer. And uh, Novel was really... Just fantastic. I love the decor. The chef is uh, from New York, um, super market-driven and really lovely. What he did with peaches, mm. they were limited this summer. We didn't have the best peaches, <laughs> but he, 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 he made the best with, uh, with what they had and just like using fresh local ingredients, which I really appreciated. Um, where else do I really love? <gasps> I love the bacon at Sundry. Oh, have you been? Have you heard of it? Yes. So Chef Kara, uh, it started out as a food truck, and it's kind of still like a food truck type setup. They close at three, and she just cuts it the right thickness. She roasts it on a cookie sheet instead of in a pan, which just gets it perfectly crispy. And she's got lovely little pastries. Messenger coffee mm. are the best pastries in town, hands down. It's not even I, – I, I, <clears throat> there's not even like a, a, a close second – they're awesome at what they do. Um, where else do I really love? I've been to. Okay, my favorite barbecue. I'm sorry, I'm not really good with names, but it's the one that's a gas station. Joe's. Joe's KC. Joe's Gotta KC. Be. The pork ribs. <laughs> they just fall off the bone. They're crispy along the edges, super moist, and they're salt. Like they're just fantastic. And the way the system works there with that insane lineup where you wait. <laughs> around the block and then you get there and there's this like lovely girl who's like not having it and she's just like (laughs) repeating everything and it's all verbal it's very impressive 
But now you didn't have to wait in line, did you? Oh, I did. Did you? for like? Because yeah. I did it on a Saturday night recently. It was over an hour. It, we waited a good 20 to 30 minutes. We also wow. showed up 20 minutes before they closed. <laughs> and it was jam-packed. Okay, what's it like when the Fab Five shows up to wait in line at Joe's? Um, so we actually, it was just uh, Tan and myself. And uh, we were trying to be as incognito as we could. <laughs> so it was like hoodies with caps and we probably looked a little intimidating and weird and scary but um typically when we go when when I go alone I don't get stopped as much when I show up with somebody who's more recognizable like Tan's hair I'm referring to Tan's hair as its own person because it really is it's amazing or Jonathan's hair um also its own person um, it, that tends to have a little more, I call it electricity in the room. Like I'll have a vibe sometimes if I go to a place and no one seems to know there's zero electricity, but sometimes as soon as one person notices, you can just sort of like start to feel like the murmurs and the whispers and you feel like that energy and that charge, which gives me social anxiety. <laughs> and, um, Understandably. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm pretty like, I'm like, I'm, I'm a pretty shy person for the, for the most part, especially some days I wake up and I'm feeling particularly quiet and more to myself. Um, and the way that I eat barbecue is just it, – it, it, it's kind of like the way I eat popcorn in a movie theater. I get my own bag and I don't let anybody look at me because I just like <laughs> shove it down my mouth. There's nothing elegant about it. It's not the way that I eat at Novel, for example. Right. Um, or at Lydia's if I'm like at a more fine dining um, restaurant. And so, um, yeah, when you're having barbecue and you have sauce all over your cheeks, um, you get it's, – it's a little embarrassing. Um, and then you see the phones come out and the photos. So, it's, oh. yeah, it's a thing. But um, but the barbecue's worth it. So yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's like we, it's it can be challenging sometimes. But I think um, you know Kansas City has been so welcoming, and even the people who do come up and talk to us while we're mid bite have such lovely personal stories to share about the show that hmm. like you can only you you can't you know what I mean you you can't be mad or annoyed about it because it's all like. Everyone is just so lovely. The Midwest is really great. I've never been until I moved here. I lived in West Virginia for four years um, on and off. And um, I just, I, I, I love Midwestern culture. And Kansas City is a really special place. There's um, a great jazz scene. People are really into music, which mm. I really love. Records as well. My new obsession. <laughs> I have way too many. So many boxes I'm going to be going back with. Oh, man. Um yeah, I, I rambled. I don't even remember what the question was. Oh, that's lovely. It really sounds like you've gotten a really good smattering of what we've got to offer. I love that. I feel like I have. There's so much more to explore, too. And <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, like our, our shoot schedule is insane at best, so there's a lot more that I would have loved to explore. But, um, I mean, I, I feel like I've tried to, to get the highlights as best as I could. I've been to Nelson Atkins a couple of times and just such a lovely art collection have a really great Rothko, um, some great um, post-war American artists in there as well. I think they have a Cy Twomley as well. He's one of my favorites. Oh. I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up. But yeah, great collection. I was also going to ask you too, um, how different it must have been coming to film a season. When you guys filmed in Atlanta, the show hadn't come out yet. You come here, the show is wildly popular. Yes. So getting locations... <laughs> for season three has been a lot easier than it was for seasons one and two. Oh. Because no one really, most people didn't know what the show was um, or just didn't care. There was no emotional attachment or any, like, rapport. So landing locations that we wanted to f- uh, film at in restaurants, businesses, butchers, and, and, and all that kind of stuff was, was a little more challenging. Um, but in Kansas City, when you arrive into a city where one of the buildings is literally lit up in pride colors, and you get a beautiful video from the dear sweet Mayor Sly, who has a pride bow tie. It's a very different vibe. <laughs> so welcome wagon. It's a. It was very much a welcome wagon, and we had a welcoming party with a bunch of like local businesses just to like let us know like whatever you need, you let us know when you reach out. And people wow. have been so insanely welcoming and 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 lovely. Now I know from the chef community, you've been popping up different places. Do you know the people that you're going to visit most of the time? Like, for instance, Beth at Secatash. Yeah. Were you already friends or did you become friends when um, you got to Kansas City? Yeah. So I didn't know a single soul 
um, in Kansas City. The closest connection, um, uh, a friend of mine, Heidi Gardner, who's on uh, Saturday Night Live, her dad is uh, is a chauffeur here, and I was hoping to meet him while I was going to be here. Maybe he's driven me somewhere because we take cars everywhere, um, or at least I do because I don't drive. But um, I haven't had a chance to meet him. But that was like the closest connection to like a single person that I knew in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, but uh, no, Beth, I did not know. Um, I'm smiling as I say this because I was with her last night <laughs> and um, and her dear friend and assistant Miranda and two dogs and cat. And we just had such a lovely night. She's become one of the closest people in like my little circle of friends. Um, she's such an incredible woman, immensely talented. Um, she was working on some uh, uh, on another food project actually with Scout with the show creators because they're coming out with a queer eye book, oh. and they were developing some recipes. Um, I'm all concurrently working on my cookbook as well, so they needed someone else to work on the food for the queer eye book. And just to su- sort of, um, she did a lot of like prop and styling for the for the book, and she does like the most lavish, insane meals. She came up with a thing called tomato lemonade, and it's oh. delicious. <laughs> She cooks tomatoes and then she strains them so it has the right amount of acid and sweetness and it balances perfectly with lemonade. It's like one of those things where I'm like, this is so weird, but I'm kind of really upset that I didn't come up with this myself. <laughs> That's um, funny. But so I met Beth on the set there and then we became fast friends. Um, we have a mutual love of art and books and music in general and dogs. And she's someone who's just so incredibly passionate about what she does. And um, she's she's really like a formidable woman. She's like a powerhouse, and she's kind of like she's definitely a rebel as well, which I really appreciate. And she has an awesome brunch spot called Succotash, where they have my favorite thing is these lovely crepes that are nice and bubbly with like a nice little Lincolnberry um, sauce that's served over them. They're really delicious. I love that you're coming away from Kansas City, a place you've never been, with such a close friend. Yeah, it's um, I'm very quality over quantity. I'm not really good at small talk. I never was. Um, so when I find somebody that I really get along with, I I, I, I love to like, I, like I really need like real meaningful relationships, especially with where our lives have gotten to where we just meet so many people every single day. Um, when I meet somebody who I really connect with, it's it's like it's more precious and sacred to me than ever before. You know, I don't get to see my family as much as I used to. Not that I saw them that often. They all live in Canada and all over the world. But um, yeah, it's like when you when you have like a meaningful relationship like that, it's really important. And I try to keep as many people who I really get along with, who are honest with me, as possible. And she just as quickly will give me a hug as she will put me in my place, <laughs> which is exactly what I need. Invaluable when <clears throat> fame has changed your life like it has in such a short amount of time. I can't imagine. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it feels like an explosion. Hmm. Yeah, I really thought this was going to be an homage show. I didn't think that it was going to be what it is and what it's going to be. Becoming, especially with the new season, I think our heroes are incredible and the stories only continue and you get to know more about our personal lives. Mm. Um, And I think it's just going to I think it's I'm not deluded anymore in thinking that like, oh, no one's going to watch this. Um, I think that it's I I think that it's only going to get bigger, especially with with, you know, with filming in Kansas City. People are going to fall in love with the city and the people that we're helping. Mm. And um, yeah, so it's uh, yeah. So I have a question. Tell us. I went back in clips because I interviewed Ted Allen back in the day, and um, I found I found a ridiculous story that I wrote about toast and his love of toast. But be that as it may, I've also found out in that process that you know him quite well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that <laughs> connection. That's pretty cool. Ted does love toast. Um, <laughs> when his favorite lunch. Well, actually, there's a farro salad that he really loved that I used to make for him. Um, why don't I start with why I was making food for him? Um, <laughs> so Ted literally lived across the street from me in Clinton Hill, and when I moved, um, when I moved to Clinton Hill from Greenpoint, my dear friend uh, PJ, who is uh, my old roommate, who has mm-hmm. his own podcast on Gimlet Media called Reply All, which is doing really well. Um, we studied acting together in Montreal. And anyway, and PJ knows everybody in New York and super knowledgeable guy. And uh, and when I moved to Clinton Hill, he was like, you really need to get connected with this guy, Ted Allen. 
He's a huge food figure on the New York scene. He moved to Brooklyn from Manhattan, supports all the local businesses there. Um, I knew him, of course, from Chopped and from the original Queer Eye that my sisters used to watch, and I used to, like, sneakily kind of, like, <laughs> creep behind their shoulder. And he was like, I think this is someone you should get to know. And um, so I looked him up, and I found out that at um, a really lovely, one of my favorite independent bookstores called Greenlight, um, he was doing a book signing. So I showed up. Um, I got a book and he signed it for me and then we started chatting and we realized that he lived literally across the street and so we became friends um, we started cooking together and then he needed some help I had some free time during the day as a you know as an actor you have a lot of free days and other days that are a little busier and so I started working as his personal assistant um, and then that changed into helping him on the food front with um, different things that he needed while he was filming Chopped. So he would have like recipes that he would submit for different publications and um, talks that he would give. So I would kind of, I was kind of thrown around wherever I was needed, um, making lunch for him and his, and, and his husband, Barry. They would host dinners and like they had their annual Chopped barbecue where I got to meet all of the Chopped chefs and I would like cook alongside them, which was not intimidating at all. It was very intimidating. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and then um, Ted Allen's husband, who's a... Um, collector of really important American um, furniture pieces from like the 1940s to 1980s of uh, designers like Charles Halls Jones and Paul Evans and Carl Springer, like these awesome, um, they're artists. And so he wanted to start selling his pieces. So he opened up a gallery. So I helped him start photographing um, and documenting and sort of like doing like history and provenance research. I love to nerd out on anything that's interesting to me. And so basically I was just doing all these different things for, for the two of them. So I worked for Ted and Barry for I think about two years yeah. um, until then I got another gallery job and then Queer Eye came along and I <laughs> called him and I was like, so Queer Eye is being rebooted. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I just had a meeting with David Collins with the show creator. I was like, oh. And then there was like a weird awkward silence and he's like, he calls me Antony. He's like, Annie, you don't want to do this, do you? I was like, <laughs> I don't know. He's like, okay, let me put in a good word. And he kind of like helped fast track the process a little bit because they were at the end of casting already. And then they threw me into the mix. I had an interview with the show creators and they flew me to L.A. And chemistry testing and here we are. Wow. Did you have any culinary background um professional in any way or did you just kind of hang out with chefs and learn I've always had a a deep reverence for um for chefs they're like my rock stars um mm. anything from you know all of Anthony Bourdain's books to just cookbooks my first cookbook ever was um Nigella Lawson's Feast which is still one of my favorites it's a good um, one it's so beautifully written and the way that she ties in like just Pleasure in cooking and entertaining and kind of like doing that as an act of service and like the sensuality of food with the way that she conveys it through her words and, and, and her and, and her TV content as well. She's just amazing. But um, I've just I've always been deeply obsessed with food. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually only until recently I had um, three girlfriends of mine from junior high when I was in West Virginia were visiting me in New York. And I flew there to see them for one day just to see them. Um, we hadn't seen each other in years, and they were like, kind of like, you know, we were talking over um, what it was like growing up together. And Shabana, one of my friends, was like, and I was like, yeah, it's kind of random that this you know, whole thing happened. It doesn't really make sense, but here we are. And she was like, no. She's like, you were 12 years old. Your parents would be away on trips, and we would come over to your house, and you hosted dinner parties. <laughs> As a 12-year-old, um, and we were, like, grilling vegetables and making all kinds of different things. She was like, I always remember that. And then I spoke to another cousin um, who was like, yeah, I remember we were, like, five or six years old. And, like, you would talk about the virtues of a perfectly uh, made grilled cheese sandwich and, like, what kind of cheeses to use. And so I've always kind of had that obsession and just love of talking about food um, and just learning about it, especially different types from different cultures, um, being raised in Montreal, super multicultural, very diverse environment. Um, so my friends would always bring like, um, you know, um, weird isn't the word, but like interesting and different dishes to school. And I always wanted to taste them and kind of like know more about them. Like I've always had that deep curiosity. Mm. Um, so it's always been there, um, in terms of working with food in a professional capacity, I've never taken a single cooking class. I learned everything from 
Jacques Pepin, Julia Child, when other kids were watching Saturday morning cartoons, I was watching them on PBS. Um, <laughs> I also, love that. when I would come home from school um, during the week, right before Oprah on Discovery Channel, there's a fantastic show called Great Chefs. And those great chefs of the world, are you familiar yes, with it? It's yes. so good. <laughs> yes. So it's great chefs of the world, great chefs of the Caribbean, and great chefs of uh, America. And they were basically these like super stuffy white top hat chefs who had zero camera presence, awkward as heck. Um, <laughs> but they made these beautiful dishes. And I would just watch them with my mother and just kind of be like in shock by like the beauty of these dishes. And then my mother would recreate them. And um, so I've always been kind of like a viewer on the outside. Um, and then as I got older and I was no longer living at home and I wasn't spoiled with like amazing food, I had to learn how to do it for myself. So I just kind of figured it out. Um, yeah, self-taught to be sure. Self-taught. Yeah, the only food like in terms of a professional capacity was that like that it's been the one constant in terms of the job that I always had. So mm. whether I was in college, university um, or in between, or even up until two years ago where I was working at Bond Street Sushi as a, as a manager, I've always worked in restaurants. So I've always loved being around food. I love the performance of being a waiter, of knowing about food, of talking about it, um, and just being close to chefs as, as well. I just like love staring at what they do. Yeah, and you're the first to not call yourself a chef. Well, that's – see, I, and, I, and I don't. And I what I didn't call, refer to, I didn't like referring to myself as a chef, and kind of still don't because I have a respect for anybody who pursues um, an education. Um, but I was speaking to a friend of mine who is a really talented photographer, and he's very uh, passionate about food as well. And he was like, anybody can call themselves a chef if that's what you do for a living, and if that's what a lot of people have jobs where they didn't even go to university to mm -hmm. study for, mm -hmm. and that sort of had me rethinking it a little bit. So I'm still not at a point where I'm comfortable calling myself a chef because, again, I just think about these guys, these, these women and men who go to culinary school and work in restaurants six or seven days a week during the holidays and they have 12 or 14 hour days. I'm not saying I don't work hard, but that's a very different kind of life, working like near the fire and with the whole team. And I just don't feel right putting myself in that category. It feels disrespectful. But I, I think that actually it probably helps you in the job that you have now because you can relate to the people that you're trying to help. If right. you were, <clears throat> you know, a, a, an intimidating chef and you were running around with the big hat and, you know, the title, that might make it more difficult for you when you're working on the show. I, I think so too. And like full disclosure, I know a lot of chefs and they aren't, necessarily always super excited about teaching someone. There's mm -hmm. someone who's studied. They know how things work. Not necessarily interested in being in front of a camera. And as an actor, it's something that I've grown to be a little more comfortable in front of. So I do feel like I certainly fit into the job that I have. But I think I have the personality for it, I'm realizing. But I think like a lot of my chef friends would not be like, I don't know, willing to sort of simplify things sometimes. Like now I've had the opportunity of um, meeting people who have more like expansive food palettes. So we actually get to evolve and do things that are a little more complex. The heroes, um, you mean on the, the show? The heroes, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to be as general as possible without saying anything that's going to get me in trouble. <laughs> well, I know, I know you've had to defend things that you've made on the show with some of them because they're quote-unquote simple, but the flavors are really complex. Sure. But at the same time, you think about, I've never understood that. Like the show itself... You have to keep it simple because their whole life is changing. Also, what a do you bit. want me to do in a right. minute and a half segment <laughs> that's going to like, are we doing sous vide in a minute <laughs> and a half? Like, how are we going to do cut twos from that? But I don't know. You want understand. them to be able to do it again when you're not there. Of course. <laughs> and when you, you know, you meet somebody who's been eating out of a can and has never seen the inside of a, you know, the beloved green fruit, um, <laughs> like, what else are you going to, what What are you supposed to do? It's a missed opportunity if you show something that's too ambitious. It's not right. about my ego. It's about what they need. And what they'll love. Yeah. I loved uh, the first episode with Tom when he was mm. making his margaritas out of Mountain Dew and tequila. That was pretty cool. Gosh, <laughs> I've, I didn't know that was a thing that existed. <laughs> um, I will say, though, I was excited to, and I really hope that he made it again. So he... Um, he shared with us that he has uh, lupus, which mm. is an autoimmune illness. And um, I was speaking to my sister who has uh, multiple sclerosis, and she's um, 
She's changed her diet completely using functional medicine and figuring out which foods work for her and which don't. And she's learned that there are inflammatory foods like nightshades. So aubergine's uh, eggplant, um, tomatoes, garlic. Um, I learned that tobacco is a big inflammatory as well. I mean, terrible for so many reasons, but also for that. Um, and so I made this like lupus-free salsa for him with jicama and charred corn and black beans and a lot of cilantro and lime juice. And that never made it to the episode. I was and it was a really have. lovely. It was a really lovely salsa. And I made full like skirt steak um, <clears throat> quesadillas for him. And wow. Um, and there was another component. I forget what it was now. But the guacamole made it. And that was like an afterthought. <laughs> I was like, might as well just throw in guac into his Tex-Mex dinner so he can make a cute little thing for dates. And that was the thing that the editors <laughs> kept in the episode, which I understand. Yeah. It's a short, you know what I mean? It wasn't about a whole four-course menu, but Do still, we miss a lot of the stuff you make in each episode? I mean... This season, I now understand how editing works, mm. but I was making three, usually two to three dishes for every hero. I don't know why. I think I was just trying to prove myself. And now I know that, like, so much of that just doesn't even make it. And it's... But at the same time, I don't regret it because I was still able to teach the hero, and yeah. I th- and I think that that's the most important thing, right? Yeah. I rather a little bit of I, I I rather some trolls and and some you know blogs here and there having their opinions, which everyone is entitled to, um, saying whatever they want. But in the end, I know that I really did my best in trying to convey as much as I could in such a short amount of time in a way that's meaningful to their lives, to the hero's lives. So that helps me sleep good, sleep well at night. Tomatoes a nightshade, isn't it? <clears throat> it is a nightshade. That's hard with Mexican food. It is hard. Mode. That's why the salsa had no tomatoes. <laughs> but jicama is amazing. It's so nice and crunchy. It's like a hybrid between a potato and an apple, and not a lot of people know about it. And it's inexpensive, and it's so good. I always like when you go into the kitchen the first time. Tell me a little bit about how you assess. Can you tell just by looking in their uh, refrigerator? And, you know, it's, is it as revealing as, say, a woman's purse, perhaps? <laughs> that's actually a very good comparison. Um, I usually stay away from women's purses. I feel like that's even a little more intimate. But a kitchen is very intimate because you get to know the person's relationship to food and how they eat. Some heroes, sometimes they have something that they want to show you, like a certain a stand mixer that they use. Um, and then other times they're kind of treating it like – as though it's the first time that they're looking in, your, in their kitchen as well, um, which is really endearing and kind of makes me really sad because, like, my kitchen is so important to me. I think, like, I can tell you every single thing that's in my fridge when it's going to expire, and I know that I have to use it by a certain date. Like, I'm that obsessive about it. Like, nothing ever goes old or I have to throw out. Like, the, the milk never goes spoiled. You know how fridge. you're going to use everything. I know how I'm going to use everything, and I think about it. Like, okay, I have a few days for this. Um, the yogurt's going to be expiring soon or have like the carrots are starting to get soft. So like let's make a mirepoix and at least freeze it so that I have it. Like that's how my mind works. So I'm always like shocked that some people don't think that way. Um, a lot of to-go food too that just kind of sits there for two to three days. And I'm like, what are your personal meat rules about how long cooked <laughs> meat can sit in your fridge? Because I'm kind of a little <laughs> uncomfortable right now. Um, but you really learn a lot very quickly. People – People really invest in spices and they really don't use them. Um, they just right. sit there and they have like 50 different spices. For years. Like, for years. Or like pre-seasoning mixes that have like anato and like all these things that are so unnecessary. I don't really get it. Um, but it, it's it's a learning experience for me and it's it's always – it's a great way to get as much intel as I can in a short amount of time. I just love creeping through and like seeing which pots have scratches and which don't and what gets utilized and what doesn't. You can tell a lot from a scratch on a potter pan. So yeah. much. So much. Well, and knives too. Mm. What are you finding in the knife drawer? Uh, um <laughs> I do have one a, knife, right? The one. Or sometimes they'll have like four Santoku knives. And it's like, but like not a single paring knife or no fish knife. Um, I think many people need, many pe- more people need serrated knives because they're so fantastic for tomatoes, not only bread. Um, or people use steak knives to chop their things, like to, to cut their garlic and their onion with, which is like, why are you using a paring knife for something so big? Um, it's, uh, yeah, knives. I, I just I love a single blade that just follows all through to the handle. It just shows you that you're holding something that's quality and I like something that's substantial. And when you see something with like a flimsy plastic handle or a dull knife is my pet peeve because it's so dangerous. You can hurt yourself with it a dull dangerous. knife. Right, yeah. right. 
it's actually more dangerous to have a dull knife than a very sharp knife. <laughs> it's true. So do you have to teach them basics like how to sharpen a knife? That's actually a really good idea. I've never done that before. Um, you can come to my house if full, you like. I'm still a little afraid. <laughs> I have – I actually – I go to um, – I have uh, sushi chefs do it in, oh. in New York because they have yeah. these beautiful stones and they really get them – Smart. They, they, get them, they get them done really nicely. I'm all about delegating when it's something that I'm not necessarily good at. Hmm. Um, but um, – we have, um, you know, with this season also, we, we had a lot of trade outs and different brands who donate their, their products for us to give. And this season has only been better. So I love spoiling people. Oh, that's fun. And giving fun. them things that they've never, you know, from like beautiful cutting boards to like a proper knife set where they just have everything. Um, yeah. So that, that part has been nice. So instead of teaching them how to sharpen their knives, I just get them a really nice set of global knives. <laughs> <laughs> When you guys sit down and watch the episode together, which I love, you guys are so fun to watch do that, is it hard when they don't quite do what you got? The the episode that sticks out to me, I can't remember who the hero was. I just remember they couldn't figure out the pasta maker and they grabbed the prop pasta in the kitchen. Leo. (laughs) I love that man. (laughs) I feel like in another life, if his circumstances were a little different, he would have been a chef. Hmm. He works in a restaurant as a bartender. He's so passionate about food. He was he was one of the ones where I really like I threw every single gift I possibly could because I just wanted him to feel like he was a chef when he was at home. Yeah. Um, I had a, a, a set of um, F. Dick knives, uh, really beautiful German knives, and they gave us two sets for filming. And I had one that I would bring to set with me, and then we had a second one that was just like an extra, and I gave him a full set because when we did our food demo – he was so impressed by like the blades and the craftsmanship that I was like, this guy has to have. He's in it. He's in it. Um, so, yeah, it is disappointing sometimes when it doesn't work. I don't know. I think he, he didn't add – I feel like the eggs were too small or he probably should have added a little bit of water. I'm not one for gi- gimmicky um, kitchen tools and pasta is so easy to make. But when you have super limited counter space and you want to make a lot at once, that Phillips machine is actually amazing. It's an extruder as well. So you literally just put in the dry ingredients. You put in your semolina flour. You put in your egg. Water if you have to, but please use egg because it's so much better and it gives it a nice bright yellow color. Um, <laughs> and then it just does the whole thing for you and all you do is cut it. Um, so that's like a that's like a gimmicky is maybe not a nice word, but like a gimmicky tool that I actually really can support. Yeah. Um, and he was excited about making pasta and some sauces like an alla matriciana, which is like a delicate tomato sauce with a guanciale with a pork chow. Like you need a fresh pasta with that. Like a carbonara, you want dry pasta because you want, really want to have that al dente, that little bite. Or like a cacio pepe. I'm going off now. But like when you have like a delicate sauce, I think fresh pasta is always so lovely, especially in the summer. I was just sad that he wasn't able to (laughs) use fresh pasta. I hope he figured out his machine, Leo. He was he was a very lovely person. You could tell. So lovely. Yeah. So lovely. Like such a big heart. And they really all have seemed that way. There's not a character from the first couple seasons that you haven't really just been so endeared to. Has that been the same in Kansas City? It really has. Um, honestly, it's a testament to um, our casting department for well, – it's, it's a big team, but specifically four amazing women, um, Ali Grant, Behan, Oguz, I'm butchering her last name, um, Danielle Gervais, and, um, and um, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm stumping on her name, but I see her face right now. <laughs> I apologize. I'm going to think about it and I'm going to come back with it. But anyways, four amazing women who um, who won an Emmy for a casting yes. for the season. You know, they not only casted us, but they cast these heroes. Gretchen Palick, of course. Gosh, sorry, <laughs> Gretch. Oh, I love her. Um, and just like four, yeah, just super talented and like went out of their way, got here early to really like explore the city, learn about the businesses, learn about the culture here. And just really find heroes who we can relate to and who just have, like, incredible stories that are just going to, like, warm everybody's heart Hmm. and wet their faces with tears. (laughs) Happy tears, happy tears. Happy tears. I laugh and cry at every Every episode. episode. Same. Really? Oh, I mean, I'm— Reliving it? I Actually, so I've only seen seasons one and two. I've barely seen it once. Hmm. I can't really watch myself. I made myself watch it just so that I would learn how I want to approach it this season. Um, but other than that, I don't really get a joy of watching myself on TV. It makes me very uncomfortable. 
So um, I typically just like keep a very close relationship with the exact producers and like see what works and what doesn't and try to be in touch with post and the editing team just to see like how I can always better myself and, and, and make the show run more smoothly. But um, yeah. How do you prep before you come to a city? Are you reading cookbooks? Are you, um, do you get any info on the people, the heroes that you're going to be working with? Do you start calling people in the city? How does that process work? Um, with, well, the thing is with Atlanta, it was different because no one was allowed to know that we were there. We had like very strict NDAs, um, other than like two or three people in our lives. Like I had a lot of very close family members knew, but we weren't allowed to talk about it. So I wasn't allowed to engage in any outreach and be like, Hey, what do you want to recommend? So we relied heavily on production, Kansas city, different story because it was announced publicly. So I had all kinds of emails coming from people like, I have a cousin who lived in Kansas City for two years and here's a top 10 barbecue and like all these different suggestions. So it's been a very different experience in um, in, in this season of it. But um, it's uh, in terms of preparation, it's like, I mean, the best way is just to go to local businesses and just try them out. Um, and then everything just kind of like ends up fitting organically um like we went to when we found out about the emmy nominations we went to blue stem and we had just oh incredible meal um oh my gosh there was um they called it a gazpacho but it was basically like this really lovely tomato consomme that was chilled that was it's like the most flavorful broth i've ever had it was so nice one of the best steaks i've had in a really long time as well and they also had a really lovely, um, they had a really nice carbonara with breadcrumbs, which you feel like would be overkill with pasta and breadcrumbs, but it totally wasn't. And it was perfect. And it just added that textural element that you needed and had a bit of pork fat in the croutons. Sorry, I get off, I get off on, <laughs> oh, we, on no. tangents when we, like we, when we talk about food. Um, <laughs> We're the right people to talk to about the breadcrumbs on the pasta. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm sorry. What was the question? I went off on pasta. And <laughs> just I have just pasta how you how you prep because I I, oh, right. I think about moving to a city, a different city, or or even traveling to one. And sometimes you think, well, what restaurants do I need to go to? Uh, where would I find you know even a grocery store? You don't know how to get around, and so yeah. um, well, we just have, find we have, all that. Yeah, we have an amazing production team who helps us with all of that. I'm also lucky enough to have Beth in my life. Hmm. Um, she's been immensely helpful and supportive. She's helped me with um, – so I'm working on my cookbook. And I have a, a brilliant co-author, Mindy Fox, who's published a ton of really incredible work. She's on the East Coast. So is my editor at Houghton Mifflin, um, Rux. Um, and, oh, you uh, got a good one. Are you familiar with Rux? She's a legend. She's the Grace Coddington of the culinary world, in my opinion. Um, She does not let me get away with anything and has very (laughs) strong opinions. Um, So um, I love that I'm getting to work with – I work very well with women. I always feel like it's a very collaborative medium, Um, not to generalize, but with – when I work with a lot of guys, Fab Five aside – um, sometimes there's a lot of ego that comes into play and with mm. women I just feel like we're able to just have an honest conversation and everything is just kind of like gentle and smooth um, and so Beth has been helping test out some of that we have somebody testing out recipes on the east coast somebody testing them out here and some of the recipes are a little more um, a little more less American like more my Polish heritage so mm. we have and like you speak to Beth and she's like, I know exactly where the best Polish butcher is. Like you want like that smoked bacon. I know exactly where we're going to go for that. You need the white kielbasa for like a very specific type of soup. It's kind of like a bratwurst and we're going to drive out. It's going to be 45 minutes, but I'll find it for you. <laughs> That's and, like, incredible. She's, it, she's the most resourceful person ever. She seriously is. She knows every business owner. Um, she's she's really awesome. And so she's been she's been so helpful in just cooking with her um, late at night. I try not to eat after eight, but I've completely killed that rule living well, here because we're just trying things out at like eleven o'clock and midnight. And we see the Insta stories to prove it. How fun is that? You cook for the Fab Five too? Um, yeah. So honestly, seasons one and two, we had a lot more time, so we had dinners where I would cook, or we would at mm. least get takeout and like break bread together. It's been a little harder this time because we're all flying in and out. We have all these different things going on. Um, but whenever I have something, I try to bring it to set the next day and have them try it from uh, from the cookbook. But um, no, I'm not getting to do it as much as 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 I did, unfortunately. And I do miss that part. 
Um, but um, whenever there's a dessert, rest assured that Tan will come over because he has the most <laughs> insane sweet tooth. He has the sweet tooth of like an unsupervised, uh, unsupervised five-year-old child. That surprises <laughs> me. He, I, I don't know because I have a sweet tooth too, but he seems so, I don't know, proper and put Not together. With sweets. So he came to uh, Guadeloupe, which is a little French island um, in the Caribbean. He went with me and my stepmom over – over the it was like right before the holidays, so it was winter. It was very cold. I remember because we took photos and we, we couldn't show our faces because we weren't allowed to be in photos together. So we had these ridiculous hats <laughs> that we bought on the beach. And when I don't know about you ladies, but when I'm in the Caribbean, I tend to stick to salads and grilled fish, and I tend to eat light. Yeah. Um, we because we were on a French island, they served French milk, French butter. Everything was imported. My stepmom was in shock. He would wake up in the morning and make us drive to a bakery <laughs> and get like two pain au chocolat, two pastries. <laughs> Little Madeleines, like all the treats. And he would do this twice a day. And he was, was on vacation. He was on vacation. <laughs> wow. Like I eat like that in the winter months. But like in when it's like 100 degrees outside and you're like in the tropics, it was, it, it was, it was a sight to behold. So we had a lot of sweets that week, a lot of creme pat and everything. Wow. Um, yeah, he loves his sweets. So it sounds like you guys hang out a lot. Would you say you two are the closest? I think it's funny, actually, because with Tan and I, I uh, we didn't really speak that much except on set for the first couple of weeks of filming. I thought he was too nice. <laughs> and apparently he thought I was too nice. And then we just had one night. Uh, the other boys were out at a bar, and Tan and I are kind of like the grandmas of the group, and we love our tea. And we left the bar early, and then we were, like, walking home. We were exhausted. And then he was like, I'll walk you to your door because Tan's a gentleman and it's what he does and he's British and that's who he is. <laughs> and I was like, do you want to come in for a cup of tea? And he was like, yeah, sure. He came in and he stayed there for four and a half hours. He left at, like, three in the morning and we were, like, Love two it. little schoolgirls. <laughs> um, and so we became fast friends. But I have a different connection with each of my castmates in a, in a different way. I think with Karamo and Bobby, um, it's – it's more of like I have a respect for their professionalism, so we like focus more on the work because um, they're both very like, especially Karamo is super professional. And with Bobby, I'm really interested. I love interior design and architecture, as I mentioned with Ted's partner, Barry, who has furniture. So I love to nerd out about design with Bobby and see what he's working on. And huh. I get really excited by the things that the projects that he that, that he does and how he uses color because I'm very I'm New York, so I'm very black and white. Um, <laughs> so I really admire his use of of, of warm tones. Um, and then even with uh, with Karamo, since, you know, with his background in social work, my background is psychology. That was my bachelor's degree. That's what I studied. So I kind of like I'm always interested to see how he's going to approach the the hero and how he, how he sort of goes about it. And then with Jonathan, we both have a love for food. And Jonathan brings out the little boy in me. And I get to be a little kid with him. I love and he is he you know because he's he's very energetic mm-hmm. <laughs> like that all the time all the time <laughs> <laughs> non-stop 24 7 um he uh yeah again he was someone who when I first met him he still reminds me um I was I was overwhelmed by that amount of energy because hmm. I can be very on, but I can also be very quiet and sort of reserved and a little to myself. Um, and at first, I just didn't know how to. I didn't know how to. Not that I had to deal with him, but I, like I just didn't know what to do with all that energy. It was just overwhelming at best. Um, but now it's like I couldn't imagine not having him in my life. Like I just feel so. I even think about like like I wear a lot of kimonos these days and. Every once in a while, like a crop top just to be silly. And I've really sort of opened myself up in many ways. Um, and I think that's in, in in large part due to just being around his energy of somebody who's just so unabashedly himself. Mm. I mean, he was a cheerleader in his school and he was the first to do that and was ostracized for it. But he couldn't not be a cheerleader because he had to. He dressed as Judge Ito from the OJ trials in second grade for Halloween. <laughs> like that's who he is. <laughs> What? Yeah. You can't make that up. <laughs> um, so when you have someone like that in your life, that kind of energy becomes infectious. And um, and yeah. 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 What is it like being – I mean this is the second run of the show, definitely a different show. It's evolved obviously from the first time. But such an important show to so many people. Is that is that a heavy burden? Do you guys share that 
equally? Does it help to have each other with that? Absolutely. Um, in terms of, like, they're my, the other, my, my four, you know, my Fab Five, my, my Fab Four, the, my brothers are, they're my confidants as well. We're all going through this really weird, strange, beautiful, happy, sad, overwhelming, anxiety-inducing, um, incredibly life-changing, powerful experience probably a lot of other descriptives, um, together. So we all understand what it's like in our own ways. I experience it in New York. Tan experiences it in Salt Lake City. Um, but I get to, I, we get to have those conversations and not be judged. You know what I mean? Like there are certain things that you can't complain about, that I can't complain about with all of my friends because they're just going to be like, oh, woe is me. Right. Um, but with them I can and, and, and I have sort of, the safety of like not being judged and we can just like be really honest with each other. So it's really amazing to, I'm so grateful that it's not just queer eye and it's one person doing everything. Cause <laughs> I would be like so miserable. I love that. I can just kind of like touch base with them and be like, Hey, I'm overwhelmed. Oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> and we can just say that and, you know, and feel okay about it. So thank goodness for them. Sounds like a lot of teamwork there. Absolutely. So when you cook for them, do you cook for them uh, or do you involve them in the process? Or is that just too much energy in the kitchen? Okay. So (laughs) I I just binged through salt, acid, fat, heat. Yes. And I wish I were the person who involved. You know how she involves her friends when they come over? Right. And she's like, I think it's so important because even if you're showing someone how to make a vinaigrette, once they eat the salad, they're going to feel like they were part of that process. Mm-hmm. And then they can leave with some kind of knowledge and feeling like they learned something. And I was hitting myself against the head saying, like, why am I not that person? <laughs> I'm not that person. I have to do it all on my own because I part, of it, right. part of it is the performance. I want to make that perfect bite and I want people to try and be like, I love what you just made and be like, wow, I never imagined that – um, uh, uh, that fennel and citrus can go so perfectly together or whatever the combination is. So part of it's my ego, I guess. But um, I just – I love doing that for people and it's it's very much an act of service for me and I love taking care of people in that respect. Like my thing is when everyone leaves my house, they got to be stuffed and a little bit drunk. Um, <laughs> Sign of a good with party. The mood, with the moody lighting and the candles and everything and, 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 and the perfect music. Um, I love to create that experience for people and I love to take care of like every – every component of that whole experience. Um, but that said, I really do want to be more open to sort of letting people be part of that process. But it's hard because I like my onions cut a certain way. <laughs> yeah. No, I And yeah. garlic paste is hard to make with a knife and salt for somebody who's never made it before. An art, you like your own way. I mean, it's particular. That's what makes you fall in love with it. Yeah. Right? And it's I, understandable. But I also love to clean. Like, I don't let people clean the dishes. It's like I don't let them do anything. Well, I know a lot of people who love to cook and do not like to clean. I love cleaning dishes. It's ah. so meditative, especially when everybody leaves and I just sit there by my sink. The Even if I step. put in the dishwasher, I just love to spend that time just like cleaning. I'm I'm a clean person, but I'm not super tidy, mm. but my kitchen is always immaculate. It's your palate. It's my palate. It's got to be perfect. So when I wake up in the morning and I grab my bodum and I'm grinding my coffee beans, everything is just all my, all, my, all my ducks are in a row. All is right with the world. Yes. Recharged. Yeah. As he drinks his cold brew from Roastery. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I love that. What would you say? Mm-hmm. I, we're, this has been such a lovely conversation. Before you leave us, what would you say to Kansas City? What are your parting thoughts about your time here? Oh, that made me a little emotional because I know mm. that our time is slowly coming to an end. You don't have to go. That's right. Um, that's true. <laughs> um, and we hope you come back. I think I hope so too. Well, I'm gonna. Beth wouldn't let me not come back. <laughs> we talked about this last night. Um, I think. I don't know. I just I'm. I'm so. I'm really grateful that. We were given the opportunity to come here to the Midwest. Full disclosure: I didn't know very much about Kansas City, Missouri. I knew that Kansas City. Kansas and the state of Kansas is very well known for corgi breeding. That was as close as it came to any type of knowledge from my dear friend Andrew Torrey, who's from there. 
um, like that's all I knew. And I just love how much I've been able to learn and to be in. There's something, there's kind of like this, Kansas City has this quiet type of rebellion and confidence with the music scene, with the way that the highways are sort of lined up, the fact that it's fully covered by states around, there's no ocean around, there's something really, I don't know, I love Americana and and American culture in general, I've always been fascinated by it, but there is something really special here. I, I, I can't quite figure out what the word is, like if there were a descriptive, if I were to describe Kansas City as, a, as an individual or as a person, but I don't know. And a lot of it ties into sort of Beth's personality of somebody who is just like so resourceful and like she loves her city. And at her restaurant, sorry, this is becoming a Beth moment, but like okay. at her restaurant she hires, um, you know, kids who have trouble getting jobs elsewhere. And she has a place like that restaurant is so weird and quirky. You haven't even begun to understand what it's like until you see her house. It's like 50 times that. And I just think like wherever you end up, like you can always find somebody who's really special who you can relate to. And it just kind of ties into the show in that like there's that universality. Like wherever you are, you can always find someone that you can you can always make a really close friend if you just let yourself be open and vulnerable and just like let yourself build a connection with somebody. And I'm going to think back on my time here with so much fondness and um <clears throat> and yeah like this is a it's a really special place hmm. it really is we love to hear that because we love kansas city too you've come at a really good time too because i think our food scene mm-hmm. is really popping yeah and having been a part of it for more than two decades i i would say the last Lindsay, you can probably back me up on this the last five to eight years have yes. just been incredible. Mm. And I think there's a lot of chefs out there that really want to prove, um, you know, that we're not fly over country anymore, mm-hmm. but they're not spending so much time worrying about it. Right. And they're that's just, the good thing. They're just focusing on their craft, right? Like just the, like, let's just do it and people will find us. What's the, what's the name of the lovely gentleman at um, the chef at Antler Room? He and his wife run it. Nick Gellner. Nick Gellner, yes. So mm-hmm. he has like a background in Japanese cuisine, but ties it in with local ingredients. And it's like, that's where you, like, you take your knowledge that you have and you can really make it your own. And I think that's sort of like the essence of what Kansas City is for me. Like they stay in, the, like you guys stay in your lane in a good way where it's like, I'm just going to focus on being good. And I love that. Yeah. Being good where you are. Yeah, exactly. Anthony Porofsky, thank you so much. Thank you for pronouncing my name perfectly. <laughs> this Thanks is a for really lovely morning. Notice I let her do it because <laughs> she's the anchor after all. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It was really nice chatting. See you next time on Chew Diligence. <laughs>